Welcome to the Morning Upgrade Podcast with Ryan Cote, where we feature casual conversations with entrepreneurs about personal development and growth. Hey, Charles, welcome to the Morning Upgrade Podcast. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. Fantastic. Every day is a great day. Yes, I agree 100% there. Let's kick this off, Charles. Tell everyone who you are, what you do for a living, and then give us uh, a big win that's happening in your life right now. Um, Sure. Uh, My name is Charles Kim. I currently live in Los Angeles, but I'm originally from Boston. So I'm an East Coast guy, but my wife is from LA. I live here, three kids. You know, what keeps me going uh, is, uh, you know, I started, I became an accidental entrepreneur, right? My previous career, my previous life, I was a banker in Wall Street, did that for over 20 years, but I'm a sort of an accidental entrepreneur now, and it's, uh, it's amazing. I love the journey that I'm going through right now. I'm learning so much. So the banking world versus the entrepreneurial world, you like the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial world better? Yeah, because every decision I make, there's the impact, right? Whether it's you know, with my employees or with the company, and there's no sort of like a safety net to fall back on. When you're working for a big corporation or for a bank, you know, it's always, you know, you're working as a team or you're working as a different group. And, you know, you could say, hey, it's somebody else's fault, right? If something goes wrong. But, you know, you have to own it when you are an entrepreneur, when you own your own business and you have mm-hmm. to own it and you have to understand and you have to learn from your failures. So I don't run away from my failures. Actually, the most learning I had in my career is from all my failures. So when someone tells me that, oh, you know, they never fail, then I started questioning them and their motivations. You think, this is like a question I don't think I've asked yet, but it's kind of on topic here. You know, everyone says entrepreneurship is, is risky. And of course it can be. Do you think that being an employee is risky too? Because you can be let go at any time. Like, do you think entrepreneurship is any more risky than, or any more risky than being an, an employee? Yeah, I mean, I think they're both are very risky, uh, but it's just determined. You have to decide what is risk for you. So each person determines risk factor differently. So if you are an employee, you have no control of your career per se. If the company is downsizing, you may get laid off, right? You may be doing excellent work, but you may be laid off. There might be internal conflict with your colleagues or your boss, right? You may not like your boss, so. Sometimes I think as an employee, uh, there are a lot of factors that's beyond your control, right? But as being an entrepreneur, as an owner, every decision has an impact and you have to, again, you know, you have to own it and there's a repercussion. So it's really different, you know, in terms of the mindset. Because if you're an employee, right, you can say like, oh, you know what, I don't really like this job. You know, I'm going to call ahead and I'm going to look for another job. Well, in, in an entrepreneur, you know, you can't say like, hey, I don't like this company. I'm going to shut it down and fire everybody. And then I'm going to start a new company. With your business, Crave, like where, where are you learning all that? And actually, I'm, I'm, I want to hear about your win. And I, want to get, I want to get to your morning routine. But last question on this topic, like last question on this topic with Crave, you're working a lot of deals with a lot of famous athletes. Like, where are you learning all this from? You know, is it just you're learning as you go? Do you have mentors? Like, where, where, how does that work for you? You know what? Every day is a learning process for me. So there's no no handbook, right? You know, right. how to run a, you know, how to run Crave, the company that I started. So it's not like I can go buy a book at a bookstore and, you know, and there's a formula behind it. We're, I'm pivoting every day. There's new opportunities and new challenges every day and I have to pivot. But my main 
thought process as a CEO, as a leader, as a founder is three things. And this is a, one of my mentors actually told me about this when I was really young in college. He said, you know, you have to remember three things as a leader or as a CEO or founder, which is one is people, two is culture, and number three is numbers, meaning you have to hire the right people and empower them and trust them to do the job. Number two is, you know, you have to set the right vision and right culture in the company where everything is a positive and people believe in the vision and they want to come to work every day excited. And number three, the numbers have to work. You know, if you don't make, as a company, if you don't make money, then, you know, it doesn't exist. So, but, and he said, you know, you can't micromanage everyone and everything, you know, and the hardest part as a founder is letting go. You know, we want to control everything, right? We think we have all the answers, and but we don't. You know, I only know 0.0001% of what I need to know. And I even learn from my employees, right? So I, I hire the smartest people and then empower them. And I always tell them, hey, this is your company too. You know, you're not just an employee. The success will depend on everyone in the company. And we're all going to benefit the rewards together. How do you get your employees fully interested in the outcome of the business as since they're not owners? Two things is one is, again, like I said, I micromanage, right? I don't look over the shoulder. I really right. empower them and let them make decisions. And I don't override their decision unless I really have to. And they have to live and die by that decision, whether it's success or failure. And it's okay it's a failure, but I need to know why they, they make that certain decision, both good and bad. So really, you have to feel like they own the company and that they decision matter, right? So I'm not mm-hmm. going to override every, every you know, decision they make, then they don't own it. So they have to own it. Um, and the second thing is the vision. They really have to believe the vision. They, like, they can't work for the money. They can't work for the salary. We're more of a startup. A lot of my guys are, you know, three guys are from Wharton MBA. You know, unless they believe the vision of what we are building, they would never work for me in the, yeah. in the right culture. I like the way we're starting this. A lot, of, a lot of great advice. That now I want to switch back to the personal development side, habits and whatnot. And you know, we have, uh-huh. a, we have a couple of questions for you that we talked about before we start uh, recording. Give us a, a big win, and then let's talk about how you start your mornings. So you know, I have I had big wins every day. Sometimes big losses, but I've been getting recently more wins. But for me, the wins are everything I do is storytelling, and what I try to do is understand the story of all my clients. I work with a lot of NBA players and NFL players and musicians, and I work with different organizations. What I always tell them is, what I want to know is their story of origin. Like, how did they become their a famous basketball player, right? Or football player? Like, what did it take to get there? When we um, watch Marvel comics, right? When these movies, we know how Spider-Man became Spider-Man or Superman became Superman, right? And as human beings, we love the story of origin, right? We want, everybody wants to learn the secret sauce. That's why you go to, you know, the bookstore at the airport, everything's how to, you know, how to lose weight, how to be successful, right? Everybody wants the secret sauce. And, 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 and that's the story that we want to tell to our audience, you know, and to their fans. So for me, I'm learning every day and every day to win because it's almost like, reading a book, like an autobiography, sort of, you know, for every one of my clients. So every day is a learning experience for me. So for me, that's, I consider that a big win. I like that. How do you start your mornings? You know, I don't have a set routine. You know, I, I don't, you know, wake up at 6 a.m. and, you know, go work out. I'm, I'm more of a sp- spiritual person. So I'm a Christian, 
you know, God is, is really important in my life, right? So I'm not doing this for money, you know, it's not for my own personal, you know, effort in terms of glory, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, we die, we die, right? We can't take it with us. But it, for me, is while I'm alive, how am I going to make an impact to the world, right? Or set a legacy? But it's more about, not about me. For me, I want to be a, you know, servant leader. So it's always when I wake up, you know, I talk about like, how could I serve, right? Others in a way that I could have a positive impact, you know, in their life, right? So for me, you know, you know, one of my prayers is like, I have to believe that winning at all costs is not really winning. And I have to hold on to the truth, even though it's unpopular. So I want to be the person who will stand when all others walk away or kneel, you know? And that's what I try to, like, when I start the day, that's what I try to think about. Like, am I going to be that person? And am I going to be that person who's going to stand and not walk away? Am I going to believe that, you know, winning at all costs, it's not winning? So sometimes, you know, during business, you get swayed by money and other stuff, right? But I have to sort of reflect what does that mean for myself personally and for my company. And sometimes you have to remind yourself every day because we forget. Yeah, especially because you said you have a lot of things coming at you now. So you have to filter it through those opportunities through through your values. It sounds like what right. you're saying. Exactly. You, you mentioned the word impact. Uh, so I like that word. And in your banking days, I know it was a big job, probably very stressful. Did you get pulled? Like what pulled you into entrepreneurship where you just, you felt like you wanted to try something different? And, and if yes, how did you take, how did you get the, the courage to, to leap into the entrepreneurial world? Yeah, good question. As I said in the beginning, is it accidental? So I've never planned this. But, you know, I work with, uh, gosh, thousands of companies, you know, and over my career as a banker, as an investor, now as an entrepreneur, and I try to keep everything simple because it's all about simplicity, not complexity. So when I look at successful companies like Uber or Airbnb or SpaceX and unsuccessful companies that fail, it's all about solving problems. So I always look at companies and, you know, an opportunity as what is the problem? How big is the problem? Who's solving the problem? If no one's solving it, can I solve it? So Uber solves the taxi problem. You know, Airbnb solves the hotel problem. So they're solving a big problem. Like once you ride Uber, you're not going back to riding taxis, right? For the most part. The same thing with me. When I started my company, and I didn't realize this, right? I happened to uh, go to a party that Dwayne Wade had, and he signed a huge shoe deal with Li Ning, a Chinese shoe company. And he asked me one question, kind of set me off. He said, hey, Charles, I have millions of fans in China. Is there any other way I can monetize my fans beyond a shoe deal, right? And it really made me think, and I, this is the way I answered him. I said, Mr. D. Wade, I said, no disrespect. I said, technology has changed everything. It completely shifted the power to you, meaning 20 years ago, before the internet, right, before Twitter, and you talk to your audience or your fans. So you need the brands to beat that spokesperson, right? Today, you have Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all these social media. I say, you are the brand. You can speak to your fans directly. What that means is you have the power to own your own brand and business and IP. Meaning, yes, you can sign with Adidas or Nike, but and they'll give you great money. But at the end of the day, they own everything. They own all the IP and the trademark. And I told them, look, all the NBA team owners, all the NFL team owners, they never play basketball or football. Oh, maybe Magic Johnson, right? He's a team owner. 
But how did they make money? Well, they owned the company. Mark Cuban sold this company, made hundreds of millions, and bought Dallas Mavericks, right? Now, he, then they're writing his, his check. So I said, you have to be an owner. That's how you build generational wealth. And then I, as I dug deeper into the industry, I realized, you know, these guys didn't know how to build wealth and build ownership. So I said, I'm going to solve that problem. So that's how I started Crave, it, literally to solve that problem and bring yeah. them to a market of 1.5 billion people, which they weren't monetizing. How many athletes and musicians are you working with right now? We have about 30. It's growing pretty fairly fast. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. Okay. So I want to go, I want to go to the two questions that we spoke about before we started recording. Cause I think, you know, I think they're going to be really helpful for my audience. The first one is around your ambition, enthusiasm for business. And I think you've touched upon it a little bit here, but it, it, it's, uh, you can feel it on the previous mastermind call we were on. I can feel it from you there. Like, where does that come from? Are you just like, do you get just excited about solving problems or is there something else that feeds that energy? Yeah, you know what? Um, I personally have a lot of energy, but yeah, solving problem really energizes me because whether you're in business or even personally, each one of us has a lot of problems and stress in our life, right? Now, if I can solve one of, take one of your problem away, man, you're going to be a lot happier and you know, you're going to thank me, right? So, you know, every day we're inundated with a lot of problems and, you know, issues that come up every day. And for me, I mean, I love solving that problem and, you know, and, Again, simplifying people's lives, right? In a way that now they have more time to spend there with their family, or they can use that time to do other things like go fishing or camping, whatever they want to do. That's going to, that makes them happier, right? Or fulfill their lives. So, yeah, what really energizes me is really about, you know, how do I simplify and solve problems for people? During that process, I have to tell you, I learn a lot too. It really helps me because I learn so much, right? about subjects and topics that I'd never knew before, or I didn't even know it was a problem. Are you an avid reader? Yes and no. I do more these days audiobooks. So yeah, I like yep. to read audiobooks, but not necessarily yep. like the self-help books, but more of uh, history. You know, I like to read autobiographies because again, I'm learning sort of their story of origin, right? Whether it's a mm. president or whether it's an inventor, you know, or someone like that. So I like to read sort of historical autobiography books. Yeah. My brother, Scott listens to this podcast uh, and he's going to love, he's going to love that answer. Cause he listens to the, uh, you know, like the biographies of the presidents, like these 30, 40 hour, just beasts on audible, you know, he plows through those. Right. Right. That's what I like do. That. Exactly. <laughs> Charles, I've got, I've got one last question for you. And then we're going to wrap up with you telling everyone how they can connect with you if they want to reach out to you. So my last question to you Speak to my audience, the, the introverts and the, I guess, what is it, amberverts, the ones that are kind of in between? I think I've got that right. I know you do phone calls all day with your clients and prospective clients. You're speaking to these athletes and musicians and just, you're always talking, meeting, traveling. Give us some conversational skills for, the, for my audience, for those listening, where it does not come natural, natural to them. Give us some skills. Right. I would say number one is emotion. So like, you, you know, we talked about earlier, you know, there has to be some sort of passion and emotion to the communication and they have to feel that, that energy. So if you're talking about a certain product or whatever service, well, you have to feel excited about it. You have to feel it and you have to want it. And I think, I think that's really important, the emotion of the conversation. And secondly, is really understand the other party, how they receive that communication. I always tell, you know, young people, it's about clarity. I always tell them, if you cannot tell the other person 
your idea, your message within 30 seconds is a problem, right? They have to understand and decipher that you know, information within 30 seconds and be able to relate back to you as, as they understand it. Because again, it's all about clarity, right? So uh, one method is, you know, when someone talks really slow, right? That's their pace. Everyone has their own pace. So I tend to talk a little bit slower because if I talk super fast, then they can't understand me. Same the other way. If someone talks super fast and they're like going a million miles an hour, well, you have to sort of uh, meet that pace. Because if you talk really slow like this, they, they won't listen to you. They, they've already tuned you out. So I would say it's really understanding who the other listener is, understanding where perspective, where they're coming from, and why would they listen to you? Why would they spend time listening to you about your message or whatever your pitch is or you know, a call or anything else? The first part you mentioned, it resonates with me. I mean, the whole thing, the whole answer was good, but like the the first part you said about the, having the passion and for the topic and whatnot made me think of uh, there's a podcast and a, a this guy Alex Hermosi. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's a younger guy, but very successful, multiple businesses, and he was he's got a great podcast. And the one I was listening to, ironically today, he was talking about like sales tips and whatnot, and he was saying you have to have a passion for what you're selling, a belief in what you're selling, because then that energy will transfer from you to the person you're trying to convince. And so that passion, that energy, that's kind of what you touched upon. So thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. I mean, we don't buy anything logically, right? Everything's emotional buying. Like we don't need like 90% of stuff that we purchase. We don't really need it for survival, (laughs) but we buy it because it's all emotion. So true. Well, thanks, Charles. This was great. Thanks for everything you shared. If someone wants to reach out to you, where should we send them? So my name is Charles Kim. My company is called Crave Global. My website is craveglobal.com. But you can always email me. Email is charles at craigglobal.com. Happy to, you know, talk to anyone. You know, I love meeting people. I, uh, one of my, you know, mantras is uh, I, I never say no to a meeting. Because again, you never know who you're going to meet or what you're going to learn. So one of my other, uh, somebody, someone asked me once, you know, what is your sort of vision and goal in life? And my, I always tell them, my goal is to meet all the Yoda masters around the world. Because I, I, can't, I don't have time to learn everything. But if I can meet the experts, the Yoda masters of whatever category or subject matter, then it's just going to help me grow much faster. So my goal is to meet all the Yoda masters around the world. Excellent. And just a, just a follow-up to what you just said, when you say you never say no to a meeting, I'm assuming you mean like phone meetings. Like if you get invited to networking Both. events. and Both. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll travel to different countries. I went, once went to China, flew 12 hours just for a dinner, and I flew back. That's next level. That's excellent. Okay. Think about it, right? The other person, if, if, if they know that I flew 12 hours each way to China to have dinner with them, well, it shows respect. It shows that, hey, you are an important person to me, and I'm willing to do this to meet you. So excellent. if I can, I try to do in-person meeting because it's much more impactful. Obviously, with COVID, you know, we, lots of times we do and, and I Zoom. And I always tell people, don't ever turn off your video. I think it's very rude to turn off the video when you're doing Zoom. Again, it sends a message of like, you know what, you're not that important, even though we're doing mm. Zoom. I don't even want you to see my face. So I don't care what I look like. I'll have the, my, uh, my, uh, my Zoom you know, video on to show, just to show that, hey, you are important to me. Yeah, I, t- I try to tell my team that too, because if, if your video's off, especially if you're, if you're with a client, it's uh, like, you know, it shows that you're not paying attention. And, you know, like you said, it's just a lack of lack of respect or interest. So yeah, I agree with you there. Well, excellent, Charles. This was great. Thanks for everything you shared. Have a great day. Thank you, Ryan. 
You too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Morning Upgrade Podcast. Please subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit us at morningupgrade.com for more content.